0: listening to the creative pep talk podcast this show is about commercial art making a good living and making great art we explore the possibility of that actually happening so stay tuned if you're interested in that kind of thing a big thanks to our syndicate illustration age you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk let's jump into the show Today on the show, we're going to talk about how to know what to make. There's a billion different ways to come up with, uh, you know, ideas for the stuff you want to make. This is just one example. This is how I kind of have got to this place where I never have a shortage of things I want to make. Like when someone comes to me and says, we want you to make a t-shirt, it can be anything you want. I have like five ideas that are competing that I've already kind of got in my back pocket so that's what we're going to talk about today hey I'm Andy J pizza Andy J Miller Andy J Pilsner Dr. Pizza uh Big Papa Pizza I got all kinds of names but if you want to find me on uh Twitter or Instagram and follow the CPT and all of my uh ongoings you can find me at Andy J pizza on Instagram and Twitter all right thanks guys Stoked to be back, ready to bring you some serious pep. I'm energized. I've been drinking coffee all morning. Uh, I took a bath, did a long soak. Been really letting all of this stuff ruminate and marinate. And uh, let's just leave it at, I've prepared sufficiently to bring you a new episode without going into any more details. Uh, This week, what we're going to talk about is how to know what to make. How to know what to make. When you go to draw something, you know, that blank page can be overwhelming. And there's two reasons why I think this topic is incredibly important to tackle. Number one, the work that you decide... In your personal work, the work that you do with nobody else's guidance, uh, that personal work ends up dictating the type of professional work that you end up doing. And I've talked a lot about that on the podcast. It's one of my core values: this idea that uh, you know you have to pick yourself, you have to do the work that you want to be doing and that you want people to pay you to do before anyone else recognizes your capabilities to do that. And, um, you know, honestly, we're honestly most creative when we have something to work against. You know, when we have some parameters or something to springboard off of. But often when we sit down in front of a white piece of paper, it's... Daunting. We don't know what to do. And so I think it's incredibly important for uh, creative people to have a system and a process to figure out the work that they want to be doing because the work you do in your personal work will end up being your professional work. It'll be what you're known for. It'll what people, when people f- have a job that they could pass to you, one of the main reasons they pass it to you is because of the content, because they know that it's content that resonates with you because it's the content that you cover in your personal work. And so the first reason is your personal work becomes your professional work. The second reason I think this topic is so important is because as creative people often what has drawn us to do the work that we're doing is really the how. We get pretty wrapped up in the veneer, in the aesthetic, in the style, but we we sometimes forget to think about the substance. And I think as an illustrator, that looks like, you know, early on in your career, you're probably most drawn to things that tackle or that... that that look great, right? Because it's a visual medium. And so you're drawn in by the style, but you're not being, uh, you're not focusing on the substance. You're not focusing on the content that it's covering. And so often I think when you're in the early days, you kind of neglect the fact that, Underneath that style, there has to be a topic. There has to be um, something deeper going on. And if you're a filmmaker, that can be the case too. Like you might get into Wes Anderson because of the, the veneer, the style, the aesthetic. But you might then go make something that feels hollow because it doesn't have any content. It doesn't have anything under the surface. And in order to make real headway as a creative person, as a creative professional... You really need to show that you have an opinion. And by an opinion, I just mean you have interests, you have passions, you have ideas, you have takes on things. And in order to show those things and have that depth in your work, you really need to have a what, like what your work is about and not just a how. And that's really something that can take you to the next level. And so those are the two reasons why I think this topic is so important. Now, Here's what our goal is today. So as an, so my, my goal for you is that when you go to a piece of paper that you will have 50 ideas that you could do and you have some that you've just got to do, like you can't even help it. You know, I talk with um, a lot of parents, a lot of people that have a lot of resp- responsibilities already and they don't have a lot of time to push their creative career forward. And, you know, the the tragedy that happens because they haven't thought long and hard about the what, they haven't uh, come up with what their work is going to be about, the content of the work that they're going to make. Here's what ends up happening. They have 5 hours on any given week to give to pushing the needle forward in their creative career and They end up spending the first two and a half hours trying to come up with something to make, trying to come up with an idea, trying to come up with some content, trying to figure out what the work they're going to make is going to be about. And they spend the next two and a half hours second-guessing whether that was the thing that they should have made. And so they're not really giving themselves over to their best work, and they're wasting all of that precious time. And so my goal with this episode is to go from that kind of scenario where, you know, another way that this kind of looks is, um, let's say you're already a professional and you've got client work coming in and that's great, but then all of a sudden you hit a dry season and you've got two weeks without any clients and those two weeks end up being depression and lying on the floor or doing random doodles that don't turn into anything. I want you to go from that to hoping that you don't have any client work next week because you've got all of these ideas that you you have to make. And I want you to go from uh, you know the parent that has five hours to do personal work for, to go from two and a half hours of guessing what to make and then two and a half hours second guessing what you've made to taking endless notes and having sketchbooks of little doodles that you've done all week to to go into that five hours and spend four hours and 50 minutes executing an idea that you're thrilled about. And so that's what this episode's about. And right now, I'm in this part of my journey where, you know, a lot of the client work I'm doing, I super love and it's, you know, really exciting. But a lot of times I'm thinking, man can't wait till I get to that, that dry season where I can step back and look at the podcast and look at and, and map out all these ideas and execute some and pre-record some episodes. And I've just got sketchbooks of notes and, and all that. And, and so my goal for this episode is to take you from not sure about what you're making, wasting the extra time to being desperate for extra time because you've got all these things that you've just got to make. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So step one in how to actually figure out what to make is it could be called tempted by the fruit of another. But we'll just say fruit of another is step one. And the idea here uh, comes from the episode of the podcast that I did with Yoni Wolf. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. And I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing him. And I've done some work with him. It's just been a dream come true. And, uh, you know, so one thing that he said in our interview, you can go back and listen to it uh, with... One thing that he said that sparked this episode was that, you know, any given creation that he does is really just like a series of binary decisions in his subconscious. Like, should I use this drum or that drum? Should I do this or that? And it's just every single creation ends up being like this flow chart or this, this tree and each branch, each yes and no, uh, kind of decides where each branch comes out. And, 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 and it creates this creation that is this giant uh, tree, tree branches and leaves and fruit that are all from these binary decisions that you do as you go to make something. And 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 actually, uh, in my MFBA class, we had Danielle Evans, a friend of mine, who I just absolutely love, uh, as a guest for my students. I guess you would call them. Uh, and she said the same thing. She said that every creation is essentially just this series of binary flowchart decisions, and developing a craft and developing a voice is a lot uh, to do with making a lot of those decisions before you get to the page uh, and, and, and you create this. Each creation becomes this tree of decisions. And so really, this episode is going to use that as a metaphor. And we're going we're gonna to look at uh, other people's creative careers as these giant trees of decisions, each one going off into different directions and creating the shape of the tree and the aesthetic of the tree. And then we're gonna take the individual fruits of the tree as their individual creations. If you're a visual artist, this might be each, each fruit is an individual piece of work. Or if you're a musician, each fruit might be an individual song. Uh, But the tree is your greater creative career. And so here's the first thing that I think you've got to do. I think the first thing you've got to do is identify what were the experiences, which fruits did I taste that had the biggest impact on me? Because I think this is just a really good clue. Like before you start examining your own life, Uh, And trying to be observational about the things that are happening in your own life and noticing your own emotions and having that level of self-awareness where you can create from your own life. I think a better, easier hint to start with is artwork that really deeply resonated with you. Like what were the fruits of other people's trees, other people's creative careers that really when you ate it, it had a giant impact on you. And depending on whether you interact with art um, through emotion or with your brain, it could have been you ate that. You you consume that song, you watch that film, and it made you feel this incredible feeling. Um, Or if it's if you enjoy music on a more cerebral level, you might have listened to a song and the lyrics really stopped you in your tracks and changed your philosophy. But essentially, what we're going to start with is a list of is literally making a list of the times in your life, and you can go all the way back to childhood, sometimes childhood is the best place to start because it's the most honest. And that's where I started. Back in the day when I was um, trying to figure out what I wanted my work to be about, when I first started... uh, the the process looked like going back to my six-year-old self. And I think the things you have in common with your six-year-old self are probably pretty true. They're probably unlikely to change, like, all the way until you're dead. Like, don't you love these dogs next door that are barking? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the things that you have in common with your six-year-old self today are probably things that are just true about you. And you know, one of the other things about your taste in art and the that the the art that has made a big impact on you as an adult, sometimes that stuff is too influenced by our ego, like. We're too calculated about what we say we like, and so I think a, a more pure place to start is go look back into your childhood and make a list. These are the things that had the biggest impact on me. Uh, these are the the pieces of art. It could be a TV show, it could be a song, it could be anything. And actually, I suggest that you look for ones outside of your industry. Like if you're a musician, look at picture books. If you're uh, a picture book artist, look at music, look at movies. Um, but get outside of your industry because you're going to have a more pure perspective. And that's what we're going for. We're trying to find the most pure, visceral, like you didn't have a choice this thing impacted you. You didn't, you didn't want it to. You didn't think that, oh, this critically acclaimed thing is good, so I need to like it, so I need to figure out what's good about it. I'm talking about the thing that stopped you in your tracks and, and really made you feel or really made you think and just list those things out. Just start taking a catalog. I actually did this uh, probably back in like 2009. I, start, I created this folder on my computer and I just started going back through everything I could remember that really stopped me in my tracks. Things like, uh, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas and the, and the music from that. Uh, things like Fraggle Rock. That's where all that Fraggle Rock stuff came from. Uh, and, and then the music and all kinds of different stuff. And I just created a folder on my computer and just threw it all in there. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if it was actually going to pay off. But trust me, it really will if you stick with the process. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I'm going to leave it there and we'll go to step two. Okay, so step two. Step one is, Observe other people's fruit. <laughs> that, that, that really stri- That really strikes you. And by other people's fruit, we mean their creations, the things that really made an impact on you. List them out, make a catalog. You know, in a past episode, I talked about, um, you know, if you're an illustrator, maybe that looks like creating a playlist of songs that you want your work to feel like. Uh, if you're a musician, maybe that looks like getting on Pinterest and making a pinboard of photography that you want your, your music to sound like. Uh, it really helps to get that distance because your perspective, it shakes up your perspective because you're often uh, too deep within your own thing. And I heard this recently called... Uh, veja do, which is the opposite of deja vu. Deja vu is where you're in a new place, but it seems familiar. And we're looking for uh veja do, which is you're in an old place, but it looks new. And that's what you're trying to do by getting some distance from your industry. Um, so you create this catalog, this catalog of impact, these things that have really, really touched you. And then What you want to do with that fruit is you need to boil it down to its emotional core or its cerebral core to the, to the bare bones. Like what is it behind this thing that resonates with me personally on a personal level? Now we're going one step from their creation towards us and, 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 and looking inward and being reflective about ourselves and we're trying to boil it down to its core and, I will just explain how this looks for me. So uh, recently, that new Bon Iver album came out and it's really striking me. It's, it's really moved me. And in fact, uh, I keep thinking like if I, you know, I want my artwork to feel like this album because it resonates so deeply with me. And so when I step back and I think, you know, what is the emotional core? Like, what's going on? And I try to pinpoint like, where, where in this thing am I really feeling feelings? And I'll, I'll kind of describe maybe one or two of those moments. One of them is in this song called, I think it's Eight Circles, and circles is in brackets. Uh, and there's this moment in the song, I don't know if it's like a minute or two minutes in, and he's singing, and the music kind of glitches out. Okay? Uh, It it kind of like... uh, The sound kind of sounds like it gets digitally distorted for like a split second. And I realized that in my mind, it feels like something's... like, Like the fabric of our reality is kind of tearing apart. And I... I liken this to this dream that I had, uh, I don't know how many years ago, it might have even been in college, but I had this idea and it was like, or I had this dream and it was like the end of the world and like the, <laughs> I'm such a weirdo, and and like the sky had been torn in half and like behind the sky was like tel- television static and it was just this, um this feeling of a veil between our reality and like the heavenly realm and the other deeper dimensions if you want to look at it like quantum physics had been torn in half and everything that determines our our reality was being was breaking in through our physical reality and and i realized that that sound of that distortion that digital kind of distortion on this song that whenever that part happens in the song it like my my heart like skips a beat cuz i'm like oh it like it's this art that is encapsulated this strong feeling i have which is true reality is unseen and actually if you follow me on instagram at Andy J Pizza, uh, you'll see that I've been making a lot of work about this idea. And a lot of it comes right off the back of realizing these things from listening to that music. And so that's that's like a a real life example of how I've taken the emotional core of someone else's artwork from a different industry, and I translated that into the work that I'm making. That you know I take that emotional core and I make work directly from it. Another way that this has kind of manifested for me is when I was in uh, England, I was a jogger. Uh, jogging is just running for, <laughs> you know, the joke, uh, man joke. If you don't know, uh, jogging is just running for an extended period of time. And, uh, I would jog through the hills of England and it was just these giant, vast, enormous hills. And the clouds were like these they looked like giant, uh, cotton candy marshmallows. And they, the way, I don't know being, I don't know if it was the altitude, but the sky looked bigger. And I was just, I would listen to, uh, at the time, uh, Segar Ross, the tack album had just come out. And every time I jogged, I would listen to that. And I was a really slow jogger. And the pace of that album is just like a march. And I would listen to that music, and in my head, I would have these, like, um, again, kind of glitchy stop frame animation, fast forwarded uh, plants like bursting into life, and all this color and foliage like exploding in my mind. And that's a feeling that I've tried to put into my work. If you know my work, you can see that often it's like these. Uh clouds and stars and plants and all this stuff just like exploding exploding i almost <laughs> I almost said explodiating which is what I meant, which was exploding and radiating from these points, and that really comes from you know i mean it's it's influenced by a lot of my favorite artists, some of them current a lot of them are uh you know from like the psychedelic era where they had all that like yellow submarine um, jazz where it's like that. So it's, you know, it's also definitely, I'm not saying that I'm not influenced by uh, other people in my industry, but the things that I'm trying to make work about, that emotional core is a much more personal uh, experience. And it comes from these moments like that. And I look back on the artwork and the artwork from other industries that have made me feel those feelings and those become the emotional core of my own work. Um, and then, you know, so that's, that, uh, is one particular emotional core that I create from, which is this true reality is unseen, this like hidden thing going on. And actually when I looked back Uh, through the back catalog of the other people's fruit that inspired me. I saw this even as a kid, like there's a lot of Dr. Seuss books that have like characters that are like hiding in the darkness. And I remember that feeling really resonating with me, this thing of like this hiddenness, uh, even back then was really at play. And so that That's one core emotion that in my personal work, that's probably the one I like to explore the most. But in terms of like the podcast and and other ones, there's, there's these other core emotions too. So that might be number one. My number two might be hope. And so I've realized that I love to instill hope in other people because I love when something instills hope in me. Anytime, you know, I, I find it really easy to get down about the world and about reality and all of that it's i get i'm so i'm such an emotional person uh (laughs) and i can get you know i can just easily go down the dark road of just despair and everything sucks and so i love when artwork or someone uh Or a book or whatever instills or inspires real hope. And I don't mean fake, like everything's going to be all right, but you know, an idea that really convinces me that, you know what, there is hope for me, there's hope for humanity, there's hope for this world. Uh, And so I've tried to latch on to things that make me feel that way and then create things out of there. Whether it's an episode of the podcast, you know, sometimes I'll run into something in my creative career that will really inspire hope and idea. And I'll try to take that little emotional core and build a podcast around it. Uh, I feel like I'm... (laughs) really selling myself today, but I did a, uh, I did a poster, uh, maybe a year ago that was for the podcast. You can still get it at creativepeptalk.com. Um, I, <laughs> I really didn't plan to, to do that. Um, but that says, do not be afraid. And that was a phrase that that was an emotional core that I kept running into that really just inspired me. That, that phrasing really touched me. And, that 's why I made a poster about it that 's why I turned that into a poster, but that emotional core translated directly into my work and so you know I think that I used to watch Parenthood with my wife you know i 've got little children, even though i 'm only thirty i 've got a kid for each decade i didn 't start that early, but i <laughs> but I do have three kids uh, a ch- a child for each decade that i 've been alive and uh You know, I would watch Parenthood and that artwork would inspire uh, hope and it would also inspire this feeling of like people are the most important thing in your life. And it would remind me of that feeling. And so I definitely made some work on the back of that emotional core. Probably the third most important emotional core for me is melancholy. So I like to soak up that melancholy state. And when I listen to Joanna Newsom, I will go I will get so sad and simultaneously just be loving, soaking in my own sappy sadness when I listen to that music and i and and again, I could see that played out when I was a kid, I would see things like uh Charlie Brown Christmas with that sad jazz, as I would call it, the sad jazz music, and it would make me feel so sad and yet so comforted. And I think about that a lot. Like, you don't have to make happy work to resonate uh, or to or to get commercial work. It doesn't have to be happy because when you create work that plays out that that sadness or that melancholy, like often true depression is that feeling of being alone. But when you come in contact with creative work that speaks to whatever emotion you feel, you feel known and understood and comforted even when that's not necessarily a positive emotion. And so I'd encourage you to explore whichever emotional core resonates with you, regardless of whether you think it's a Positive emotion or a negative because we need all of it out there. Okay, so we started with the fruits of other people's creativity. We boiled it down, we understood what's at the emotional core of this fruit. And the next step is to under, so is, is to start collecting seeds. So we know the fruit, so we know what type of seeds to start collecting. and that's going to give us a hint of how to start engaging in our own existence, in our own experiences, and start collecting the seeds for our most authentic work. And so if we want to go back, you know, I, I call these th- these seeds truths, and I try to and and again truths. I know that truth is a word that is pretty controversial because everybody has a different idea of what truth means, especially in this election season. Uh, but anyway, uh, but no, everybody has a different idea of what truth is. Um, but and I'm not really saying truth like infallible truth. I'm talking more. In terms of it's true because it resonates with you, and and I think these are the best things to build your creative work from these your own personal uh, <laughs> your own personal experiences, and when you know the types of fruit that you want to make the types of emotional core that you want to build on, you can start being. You can start being observational about your life. You can start looking into your own experiences and noticing when you're feeling those feelings and collecting what's going on in that moment and start noting it down. And, and these are the things that can turn into your best work. So, you know, this can range from the most profound depths to the most mundane. But a true observation that is built on one of these seeds makes the most powerful work. And it doesn't really matter. It really just matters that it's true to you. And so recently I was listening to, uh, I think it's Chris Gethard, I think his name is. I can't remember if Chris is the right first name. But anyway, uh, Chris Gethard, I think his name is. And he was on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And they were talking about how his stand-up has recently been about suicide. And it it was really uh, deep. And also, his jokes were really hilarious. But they were built on this real-life experience. He was saying that he thinks that um, suicide needs a rebrand. Because, you know, when he was a kid, he had a, a a classmate that had committed suicide, and the parents wanted to create this scholarship, but the school wouldn't let them because they didn't want to glorify suicide. And he remembers that, um, that emotional core, that that seed. This feeling resonating with, he just thought this is an outrage that they can't honor their child because of the way that suicide is branded. And he said, suicide has the worst tagline, which is uh, the coward's way out. And that's just the worst tagline in the world. And I love doing other people stand up because (laughs) It's, it's so easy to do. But then he said, he said you need a tagline that, uh, that really resonates. Like, you know, Nike's tagline is just uh, so powerful. You know, just do it. And he said, I don't think that should be suicide's tagline, but it's an example of one that works. He says, I don't know, maybe Burger King, have it your way, right? And so like, obviously, this is a super touchy subject, but he's working it out through his art form. And Gary Shandling, who uh, had the Gary Sanders show massive famous comedian, just recently passed away, he was a legend in the in the stand up comedy world and he he 's known for saying that if you want to find funny, you just got to find true, and that 's what we 're talking about we're we 're trying to find these experiences when you felt those same things that you found at the emotional core of other people 's work and now. On the other end of the spectrum, it doesn't have to be suicide. Sometimes we talk about truth, and you start getting really deep, and you think, oh, my work has to change. I've got to go to these really deep places. But last week, you probably saw there was this video, I really feel bad. I'm going to go find the artist and link it up in the show notes because I don't know uh, who the artist was. But there was this video that went viral, and it was just this series of like uh, near Makes They were these misses that were were near make. So it was like a basketball that was going into a hoop and it bounces like five times and then falls out. And then there was a can coming out of a vending machine that gets stuck at the last second. And then there was an egg, a fried egg, where the yolk just barely bursts. And it was all these moments tied together, these little tiny observations about life when you feel that, ah, And so in that, I mean, none of that was profound, but it was true. And it was on the back of real observation. And that observation, that collecting of seeds is where your work is going to find its most powerful, I don't know, (laughs) its most powerful punch. uh, You're going to find that when you start observing your own life. And when you know what type of seeds you're looking for, this is going to be so much easier. And now that I've kind of run through this process, I can almost guarantee that you're going to see it everywhere you look, you know, stand-up comedy, movies, whatever, you're going to see these artists are phenomenal observers. And often, if you don't know what you're trying to observe, it becomes really, really difficult to know what to collect. Um, and once you start collecting, you're going to fill these little pocket sketchbooks up with all these notes. And by the time you get to that five-hour block that you have in your week, you're going to be zero to 60 in no time because you have so much to work from. For me personally, you'll, if you go look at my work, you'll see a lot of clouds, a lot of stars, a lot of waves. And that comes from me going back to that emotional core of hiddenness and and what it feels like for me to look at the night sky, that makes me feel like, oh, there's so much more at play than here than than what we can see. There's it's the world is so much bigger and more beautiful and there's so much more depth than what we can see with our eyes. And there you know, that unknown of looking at the sky and just knowing that there's infinite space out there that we can't see. And it just gives you that feeling of hiddenness, that feeling of, oh man, there's so much going on here. Or I love those animal documentaries where they go to the depths of the ocean, to the unseen, and you think, man, look at all these crazy creatures. There's so much going on here that we can't see. Uh, and I even like it when you go down to the cellular level. Sometimes in my work, I will draw some of my patterns are really influenced by things like the endoplasmic reticulum of a cell, these little weird wavy shapes, because I remember drawing those as a kid and feeling like this thing is in my body and we can't even see it. It's the hiddenness. And then when I stand, I can literally ask my wife sometime if you ever meet her. I can literally stand the ocean for hours and just watch the waves crash and watch them change shape. And that vastness makes me feel. That that hidden world, that that uh, that mystery, if you will, and so uh, you'll see that come into my work all the time because I'm trying to build on that emotional core, and I'm always collecting those moments of when I feel that feeling, and so. Even in my podcast, this happens all the time, when I feel that feeling of ooh, that's a little breakthrough that I've had in my work. Or when I'm working with a student and I tell them something and I think ooh, that's something that really changed my perspective. I note that down, and then I create an episode about that, and I start pondering it, I start working it through, and I start collecting those seeds so I have stuff to build on. Like that that Gary Shandling quote was a good one. It was like that idea that in truth is where you find funny. That's the thing that I've been. I put a little bookmark. I put a pin in that months ago, and it's come into play. And so. That is what collecting seeds is all about. So whether you're just a patch of soil and you've got no creative career, I hope this episode was just a a nice sprinkling of water uh, over these, uh, the beginnings of these seeds that you build this creative career around, or maybe you're a full-blown tree, and you've got your creative career. You're 30 years into this thing, and it, and you're feeling a little bit withered. You're feeling a little bit dry. You're feeling a little bit like things are dying, and you're just not sure anymore what your work should be about. I hope that. Uh, you know i hope that i that this episode can be like the sun's rays and these branches can start growing towards the light uh <laughs> that's a bit that's a pretty uh that's a pretty big hope uh <laughs> that's some serious confidence on the back of this episode but seriously I hope that it's just a little bit of sunshine uh <laughs> spraying in your direction I don't think sunshine sprays what does it do it radiates it uh it uh how about a callback to uh it what did I say it radiates it it explodiates onto your creative <laughs> career Call back. All right. Uh, thank you guys for letting me uh, speak into your creative careers. I hope this was encouraging and exciting. I hope that it ends up turning into all kinds of amazing uh, blossoms in your creative career tree. Thanks for listening. And I will see you very soon. I don't know. Maybe I'll see you. If you're at a conference or something. I might. And if I don't see you, then... Then okay. I guess you'll just hear me next week. All right. Thanks for listening. I really, really appreciate all the kind, loving words and all the uh, sweet, sweet people out there that are sharing it all over the friggin' place and helping this podcast. You know, we grew uh, this year by 10 times. We literally have 10 times the listenership that we had a year ago, and that is because of you guys, absolutely, because I do very little advertising and such but thank you guys so 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 much i really appreciate it thanks to our syndicate illustration age you can find the show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk thanks to yoni wolf and his band y for all the theme tunes thanks to nate utesh and his band metavari for all the other tunes you can find that music at soundcloud.com slash metavari it's great to make art too so go check that stuff out And if you want to follow me, Andy J. Pizza, on all the social platforms, it's at Andy J. Pizza. Pretty simple stuff. Thanks, guys. Hey, seriously, figure out how to stay motivated so you can keep making all that good stuff and uh, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.